0: Hey, this is Paul Wadlington of the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast with part three of Hate Week, saving the best for last. It's my partner, Randy Boone, in the house. He was laid low for a little bit, but now he's feeling good because he knows he has to rise up and battle the Sooners with the rest of us. Randy, what's going on, man?
1: Not much, man. Just uh, getting ready for uh, an exciting weekend as always. We'll be heading up and hanging out with the family up there. They run the the booths at the state fair. So we always take the family and the kids up for, you know, the weekend and it uh, just so happens to work out that we plan that for uh, this weekend every year. So it works out for me as well.
0: That's cool. All right. Before we tackle the main subject, I have to do a brief aside because you know, my love and facility for fat kickers. And I neglected to mention a Amazing performance by a fat kicker a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, to be exact. One of the better games of college football this year, Kansas State, Missouri. The Missouri kicker got out there and nailed oh, a six. No, we didn't we talk, didn't about, talk that that? about it. How did we miss he, that? He, he nailed a 61 yarder to win the game after, after Eli Drinkwitz screwed up the end of game yeah, and got it. Completely a, a, blew it. A delay of game called on him, making a 56-yard field goal into a 61-yard field goal. This guy, who is 5'10", 245 pounds, Randy, he's a chunky little guy. He got a little running start, and he got his little chunky leg behind it, and he just nailed it through the uprights and, and brought a uh, great victory to the Missouri Tigers. So I had to mention that a chunky kicker had an awesome kick to win the game, and uh, it, did, it did my heart proud. So, uh, I just had to get that in.
1: Yeah, I can't believe you skipped over that. Yeah, I was just watching the end of that game. Actually, I was like, "Well, they blew it." No, I didn't think he was going to make the fifty-six yarder. I definitely didn't think he was going to make the sixty-one. It probably it had a couple more yards. I mean, it, I don't, did. it didn't have it didn't have a ton more, but it's not like it like barely. It didn't hit the bottom there
0: either. Yeah, no. So, uh, no, I was if, impressive. If Bert Auburn got on solely a Twinkies and high-fat diet between now and kickoff. I think he could put on about six to eight pounds. You think that would help him?
1: I I, I thought you were going to say he could get to that guy's weight. I was going to say it'd probably take him about a year.
0: No, I think he could get up to 184 or something.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah. Do
0: you think it would help him?
1: I mean, have we've seen the evidence, right? Yeah.
0: I'm I'm an empirical, objective
1: person. I've seen it happen once in college. I don't care what all the NFL kickers look like.
0: Sebastian Janikowski is my report. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so biggest, biggest leg in the game. I love a fat kicker, and I, I I'm just sad that we didn't celebrate a fat kicker when it happened. And it's I put that on myself. In a related vein, I also like a fat quarterback. Randy, have you seen the, who the new quarterback for the Iowa Hawkeyes is going to be? I have not. Deacon Hill is his name.
1: I thought they were going to put the punt returner at quarterback so he could score an offense. Finally, <laughs> yeah, it's a good point.
0: Exactly. He's got like what? He's got four touchdowns this year yeah that guy's amazing <laughs> two picks <laughs> dejean cooper yeah. dejean that's his name yeah yeah he's an amazing player uh no deacon hill is a six foot two and a half, 260 pound quarterback for the iowa hawkeyes he was the quarterback at wisconsin which is also on brand but here's what's not on brand guess where he's from maui See, I said not on brand, so you've made a good guess. That was a good Santa Barbara, California. I don't find I went a little too far west. But if you pull up a picture of him on Google Images, what was, his, what was his name? Deacon Hill. Uh you will burst out laughing because he looks exactly like a fat quarterback from the Midwest should look. Um he's got kind of lunch lady arms. He's not like a jacked two sixty in in any in any way, shape or form. Emphasis on shape or form. And uh I don't yeah, I think you're seeing a slimmed-up version of, of the Deacon. Looks like a hefty tight end. All right. Well, there's a few other pictures. Um, oh, no. I am I mean, it's... He's, he's a chonky boy. I don't think he's going
1: to bust one for 70 anytime soon, but so, neither any, neither's anybody else on Iowa's offense. <laughs> no,
0: no one on Iowa is in any danger of busting anything for 70. So, they are going to be playing Purdue... Deacon Hill is going to be the quarterback, and I think he's going to be the quarterback the rest of the year because Cade Mc, uh, McNamara is gone. He's out. He, he blew his knee. <laughs> Would you, I'm not laughing at that. Sorry. That's, that's, that came off It's terrible. <laughs> that I'm was not, awful. I'm not, I'm not laughing at McNamara. were college and pro athletes laughing at a dude blowing his ACL. Man, no, man
1: right. Here's the second headline on Deacon Hill on Google. <laughs> okay. Deacon Hill brings athletic pedigree to the quarterback position. <laughs> So, so how dare you, Paul? He's got an athletic pedigree.
0: Yeah, you know who his pedigree is. It's like a pug.
1: This is that's according to Channel Eight KCCI of wherever the hell they're from, and Jeff DeBroth.
0: If Deacon Hill were a dog, he would be a fat burn, a Bernadoodle on a restricted diet named Chonk. Like that's that's the vibe that guy puts off. Also, he's got bedhead. And he I, he looks like he sweats cannabis, which is kind of the Santa Barbara part. So I'm looking forward to this guy going 13 for 31 for 147 yards, zero touchdowns and two picks, which will be a slight improvement in the I Iowa That's <laughs> <say.
1: laughs> an upgrade.
0: All right. Enough uh, diversion with my love of chunky players at positions. They shouldn't be chunky, but uh, I had to bring up the kicker in Deacon Hill. All right. Let's talk about a team based on my off on uh, offline conversations with you, Randy, you feel that they have a slim chance of beating us this Saturday. I mean, it's the Texas OU game. I've seen
1: absolutely awful teams win this game, but I mean, I I think it's, I've a feeling much like the Alabama game. I just think there are too many advantages we have to exploit and too many for them to overcome. I, and I don't think they are, "Quote unquote" strengths match up very well with us either at all. Um, like I said, I mean, it's the Red River; anything can happen, but I, I'd be surprised
0: if if this game isn't fairly comfortable on our side. We will win by more than a score, Randy Boone. Everyone gets a trophy uh, already, podcast, already, and then we'll yeah. get a bunch of Sooner fans. Like,
1: Who's Randy Boone? Yeah, already, already used that one for this year, <laughs> but I, I just think there's uh, there's just too much mismatch in this one without. Four turnovers, special team scores—you know, just just craziness.
0: All right, but Randy, they're averaging forty-seven point four points per game.
1: Yeah, we averaged forty-something points per game underneath Sean Watson one year two because we scored uh, six, because we scored sixty against four teams and ten against the other four. I,
0: I can assure you, we never averaged over forty with Sean Watson. But I, I do get the point you, you're trying to well, illustrate. You, you get what I'm, tra- you get where I'm going. So, at. So to Randy's point, OU scored 73 on Arkansas State, 66 on Tulsa. They put 50 on Iowa State with the help of the kicking game, defense, and special teams. But they also threw the ball very successfully. It, it, it won't surprise me if they
1: move the ball, and it wouldn't surprise me even if they score. I, I, they're not going to go up and down the field on us, though.
0: Do you have many points they had against SMU and Cincinnati, though? 20. 28 against SMU, 20 against Cincinnati. So... Is there a common
1: denominator there in those two games?
0: I can tell you SMU and Cincinnati had the best defensive lines that OU faced by far. Uh, SMU has some transfers from the U from Miami who are actually pretty good uh, on their defensive line. Cincinnati has two guys I've talked about before, um, Dante Corleone and Jawan Briggs, and they gave OU some trouble. And they deployed an interesting strategy. And this is kind of going to dovetail with what you're talking about, what they're good at, and maybe what we can do to stop it. Cincinnati and SMU basically played off their receivers, made them dick and dunk. And as best they could, they always had two safeties in the middle of the field. If not two, one, like right in the middle between the hashes. And here's why. Dylan Gabriel on the year. And OU, by the way, is third in the country in passing EPA success. Uh, Gabriel's averaging over 10.1 yards per pass attempt, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions, right? Good stats. Between the hashes, Randy, on intermediate or deep passes on the season, he's 24 of 36 for 652 yards and six touchdowns. I would assume that's heavy RPO slash play action play action or just some RPO but also just straight up deep drop um, he's averaging 18 yards per attempt on intermediate or long throws uh, on on between the hashes sixty one percent of Dylan Gabriel's completions at quarterback at any distance come between. The hash, yeah, hashes yeah
1: no I, th- I think you try to close the middle of the field and you make him float balls uh, out wide yeah. um he's accurate he knows where to go with football he just doesn't have the arm strength to do that if he anticipates it well and, and he can fit it in there then tip your hat to him but you, you can't let him beat you over the middle in in his
0: comfort zone interesting thing about Gabriel if you watch him on platform he gets his drop clean pocket sets his feet he has a good arm anywhere to the field, like anywhere around the field, pretty much the minute he gets a minute off platform has to shuffle a quarter step. I'm not saying he's like under withering pressure. Yeah. I'm just saying you get him off his, his rhythm and his base. Then his arm strength is revealed, particularly outside the hashes. Yeah. If he, if he can't shuffle into
1: it and get his full weight and everything mechanically perfect into the throw, then I see what you're saying.
0: Whereas Quinn yours can get a perfectly clean pocket and still have Weird mechanics sometimes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, and you know, so he'll throw some of his best balls like across his body while on the move to a receiver going the opposite direction as he did against Kansas. So, pretty interesting stats on Dylan Gabriel. And it goes against the aggression mantra that everyone has for Texas OU that fans always have. We got to blitz OU. We got to do this. We got to get them. It's like, actually, we need to play an honest box, put two safeties in the middle of the field. And say, we don't think you can run on us. How about it?
1: You remember before the season we were talking about potentially trying to stop the run with a light box and playing six DBs? Yes, sir. Would may be our best deployment. I do remember that conversation. Uh, I think this would be a game that we may give that a world and say, hey, Devondre, Byron, Alfred, Jalen. Go do work. You guys go do work. Baron's going to be sitting there squatting around the line of scrimmage, looking to rob stuff, and everybody else is playing flat-footed. Yeah, I like but, it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you said they played off coverage. I don't know if I necessarily like the off coverage against them because I don't know if they have a burner out there really. But if you're gonna if you're gonna go over the top with some safeties, I kind of like getting Watts up there on him, uh letting him do what he does. Um,
0: you think Watts but, is going to play?
1: Well, I forgot about that. To be honest with you. Uh, I don't what's his injury?
0: Mm,
1: I don't know nobody ever really said anything about him. Everybody' was worried about Sanders' ankle and then legs I mean, yeah so yeah uh,
0: I, I know his injury, but i I don't think I want no, no, to tell you it's it's not out there <laughs> No it's his leg uh, it's an append- it's an appendage of some sort. It's an appendage and it's used to propel his body up and down the field but um and if it's not his legs then I'm very impressed. If he's not
1: eighty percent or better, I don't think I wouldn't force it. No, I think you're plenty good enough behind him. If I was a betting man, I would say we don't see him. Okay, in that case, then that may actually no, it doesn't. I'd I'd still roll up on him and get him off get him off schedule at the line of scrimmage. Have your safeties over the top, and just I said, I mean, the the key is, I mean. I mean, they're probably going to hit a big one or two, but you you can't let the big one. That needs to be a 25 to 35-yard completion, not a
0: 65-yard completion for a touchdown. That's it. So I think you struck on it. If they're hitting a couple of 30-yard balls, just nod your head and and go back. What we can't allow is a 70-yard touchdown over the top. You can't allow a score, right, off of the deep ball. Uh, And if they run the ball a little bit, by the way, they haven't run the ball well at all. Uh, their offense is pretty poor in run blocking. That's what
1: I have up right here. They're ninth in the Big 12 in rushing Yeah, against and against some very, very suspect competition so well, far.
0: And let me break it down for you. So their two tackles have been good in pass protection. Tyler Guyton and Walter Rouse, the guy from Stanford who transferred in. Mm. He's been a lifesaver for them. Good pass protectors. They've actually pass blocked pretty well inside now that they've benched Savion Bird at guard. Oh, there's uh, he a was, blast from the pass. I forgot about that. Yeah, he he has not performed well. So they they benched him. He was, a, he was a poor run blocker and pass blocker. In his place, they're playing a dude named Everett, who was the backup center. He's a transfer from App State. He's about 6'3", 290, and that might be listed optimistically. He doesn't bust, but he's not a good run blocker, and he's an okay pass blocker, but he also hasn't gone against Byron Murphy. Right. Andrew Rame is their center. He's perpetually overrated every year. I don't understand why. I'll just move on. And then McCade Matower is their version of Hayden Connor. Good pass blocker at guard, doesn't get any push. Tyler Guyton, who's their probably their best pass protector uh, at, at tackle, not a very consistent run blocker. He doesn't stick on guys. And and if a guy has some motor, you'll get off his block. So that's the offensive line and their running backs aren't there's no Bijan Robinson, Rashawn Johnson to run your blocking better or Jonathan Brooks for that matter. Uh they're mm-hmm. just Jags. Like you could flip the channels on any Saturday and you'll see dudes who are OU's running backs yeah. playing for Coastal Carolina yeah. and those guys and, are everywhere. In Memphis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, Memphis always has some dude with some he's usually like a five foot seven dude that like <laughs> right, yeah, they're on, they're on the K State. They they recruit wherever the hell K State finds all their tailbacks. Memphis like discovers their guys like living in parks and like yeah. <laughs> like, like free roaming the city. And just gives yeah. them a scholarship. Uh, but yeah, so that's the problem with the running game. But their passing game has been absolutely phenomenal. Like crazy deep shots, uh, and and G- Dylan Gabriel's like hitting. He's hitting them at an incredible rate. So well, he's, he's always been really good at that. I mean, even go back to his UCF days. I mean, that, that's he, that was his thing. Yeah. It, it, he averages 8.9 yards per pass attempt in his career. And that's why. However, when you take that away, OU's short game resorts to sort of Drake Stoops and Gavin Freeman. Drake Stoops is averaging eight yards a catch at, at receiver, like less than that's- 10 yards. At slot, at slot, that's not good. No, I, I want to see it like at least eleven or twelve. If you're a slot, right? I prefer to have fourteen. Yeah, unless all you're catching is bubble screens,
1: and if you're throwing bubble screens to Drake Drake Stoops, then you may need to reevaluate your offensive game plan. So that's
0: it. So the SMUs and the Cincinnatis were able to make OU route their offense through their lesser players. So they did have a, they do have a couple of receivers who have emerged. They have a guy named Nick Anderson. I don't know if you remember that guy, but he was a big recruit from Katie. He's about, name, name sounds familiar, yeah. He's about 6'4", 210. He looks like the classic receiver that Lebby wants in that offense. And he's averaging 28 yards a catch. He's got five touchdowns on 10 catches. The problem is he's a redshirt freshman, and they've been integrating him slowly. This is going to be his big debut, I, I promise. Like, OU's right. going to try to run game plan through him. I think we can deny it just by coverage, but also formation. And and if we can make OU be patient and try to run the ball and run their game through their less explosive receivers, I just don't see a path to victory for them. I just don't.
1: No, I agree. I agree. I don't. I don't. Well, I don't think patience is in that offense's DNA anywhere.
0: Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you
1: and if it is, it definitely doesn't show up the closer they get to the
0: end zone. Agreed. I will say this: I've seen plenty of old school Bryles teams. If you play pure coverage, they'll just keep handing the ball off. Well, that's the one cat. Well, that's the one caveat.
1: If you take him out of the equation, yeah, because I think he's the only one that his, really runs it and had the wherewithal to be like, I'll sit here and hand the ball off. I really don't his it
0: disciples it are less disciplined.
1: Yes, right. Yeah, Heupel. It's it's his offense, and I don't know that you'll ever see anyone run it and have the success that he did, because I think they all lack that to a certain extent.
0: He had a feel for it. Um, like even Hypel, who I think is, is a good offensive mind and a good mm-hmm. protege of, of Bryles. You, you'll see him get impatient and chunk it deep just because, right? Uh, hey, we got a guy on our sideline who does that sometimes. I was about to say, it's,
1: it's not, uh, it's not unknown t- uh, for some OCs to, to have that issue. So
0: not at all. Uh I will say that there is something to being an originator and not a copycat. Right. And your ability when you're the guy who created it, you sort of know the adjustment to the adjustment to the adjustment.
1: Yeah. You're going to know the nuances that maybe you're never passed down or you don't even think you need to explain it because it's in your head and you know it and, it it doesn't even ever cross your mind oh i need to talk about this adjustment if you see this because it's so innate but yeah if if you created it and you you own it, it it's always going to go better than hey i learned this from so and so i don't care i don't care if he's your brother-in-law or son i mean son-in-law or whatever or uh if you just sit there and watch practice for 10 years it it's just not the same
0: you know Randy that is a perfect parallel, not only in football and sports, but to the financial markets and personal finance. And we've got a guy who's an expert because this guy is not a copycat. He's an originator. Uh, In fact, he's written white papers uh, that are being used as a resource across financial planning offices all around America. He has written a nine-part series for Kiplinger Financial Magazine on retirement tax bombs. He's an absolute subject, subject, ah, subject matter expert. Easy for me to say. And his name is David McClellan. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. He's a former Texas swimmer, multinational champion. He's a partner with Form Financial Management, a fiduciary registered investment advisor. If you're managing your own money, trying to become wealthy or wealthier, chances are it's suboptimal because you don't have the time or knowledge or some of the things that Randy described, things that David knows intuitively and instinctively they are in his head the rest of us poor saps are Googling and trying to figure it out. Give David a call, take advantage of a free consult and see if he can help you. Uh, Retirement planning is David's specialty. If you're within a decade of retirement and you're not taking advantage of one of the premier subject matter experts on this topic, and I'm not exaggerating when I say it, pick up the phone and call David, pick his brain and see if there's a, a mutual ability to work together. If there isn't, you got 30 minutes of phenomenal financial advice from an expert for free. Give him a call, 312-933-8823. If you want to contact him otherwise, you can just go in the show notes and read about David McClellan. He'll be featured there. Uh, David is a diehard Longhorn like all of us, and he'll be glued to the TV this Saturday, just like me and Rand. All right, buddy. Anything with regard to OU's defense that we need to talk about? You had a chance to see these guys?
1: Uh, I got a very, very brief uh, snippet of them against SMU and then again against Iowa State. And then the Iowa State game was so uninteresting, I moved on. But, um, I I mean, everybody keeps saying they're improved, which, Lord, I'd hope so. Um, But... uh, I mean, the one guy that I would circle on their defense would be uh, Mr. Stutzman, who, as we all remembered, Roshon Johnson left cleat marks of his chest last year. Um, so I'm sure he's probably had this game as a redemption one. But um, other than that, I'm sure they improved it at several positions from last year. But I just nobody jumped off the screen at me in the little bit that I watched them.
0: So look, I can I can look at a defense play against air. And in terms of cohesion, in terms of how guys move, in terms of how they're how hard they're playing, you could tell if they're better. OU's better. However,
1: right.
0: however, but and I ate dessert tonight, so it's a big but. This was what they were giving up per game before they got undressed by Kansas State and then TCU last year. They gave up 13 to UTEP, three to Kent State. By the way, this is when Kent State had Sean Lewis and actually had some players on that offense. And they pummeled Nebraska 49 to 14. So, coming into that Kansas State game after their three non con games against inferior competition, they were giving up 10 points a game, Randy. So, OU was better was the headline in 2022 after three games on defense because they were referencing 2021 <laughs> yeah. where the OU defense was not so great. Uh, that quickly fell apart when Kansas State put a bunch of points on them. Then TCU really put a bunch of points on them. And then Texas delivered the coup de grace, 49 to nothing, which if Sark doesn't call off the dogs in the fourth quarter, it's 63 to nothing if he feels like it. So, oh,
1: yeah. He does name your score.
0: So have they improved? Yes. Unquestionably improvement was the argument last year after their non-con as well. And what was revealed was something that I've argued and Ian, I think I kind of gave this argument to Ian and he thought it worked, which is there's elements of football that are pass fail. And we think it's all gradations. We think that if someone puts 63 on a really bad team that means, well, I mean, they'll at least put 38 on a good defense, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. That's a really good way to put that. But it doesn't work that way, does it, Ray? No, not at all. You're correct. In fact, 100%. you could you could put 63 on a bad team, and if you do it in a certain way, and a good defense simply takes away a couple of those little yeah. valves that you were yeah. using. Yeah, yeah you you're may not score gonna, zero. You're not gonna score thirty-eight. You might score ten. Yeah. And no, by the way, you're... Texas fans, we live that life with a dude named Greg Davis. Yep you may recall. So I'm not saying I know this 100% about OU and their defense, but I know Brent Venables, this I do know, has some little shortcuts and some little cheat codes on defense when he's playing an inferior opponent that he can beat them down and put them into negative plays and negative game scripts. It's actually a testament to his coaching. It's not a criticism. But when you level up the offense opposite him, some of those cheat codes he can't use, or if he tries them, they get exposed.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, first of all, that's a really great way to put that. Um, because yes, you're right. That, that, the thought that things translate from one week to the next just because, you know, so and so was eight and two, and then the next pe- person you play was, you know, five and five then, okay, you reduce this by that much or you increase this by that much. No, that, you're you're 100% correct. It, it's going to work or it won't. Um, and, yeah, I, I I mean, Venables is a good defensive coordinator, always has been. He didn't forget how to coach. But if you look at Kwiatkowski, his first year here, and now, you know, cohesion in the scheme, better players, all of a sudden, like, oh, <laughs> Oh, he's a good defensive coordinator again. No, he's always been a good defensive coordinator. It just it's gonna take time there, and I I just don't think they have the personnel to. He's gonna have to get funky to have success against us. He he can't roll out whatever they want to call a base system, which I know his defense there's there's no base. You know, it's it's always gonna have its own elements of chaos to it because that's just kind of who he is. Uh, but but they can't roll out. A standard defensive game plan and be successful. I don't think.
0: No, whereas I think Texas can. Yes. In quite a few of our games against certain competition. Yes. Then uh, that's that mostly is when you're strong with the defensive line and you've got it corners. Opens up so much. You kind you kind of like have to work pretty hard to screw up and really get smoked by someone.
1: If, right. If if you can stop the run with an honest or even light box.
0: And your you're, corners can hold up.
1: Yeah, I mean you're you're ahead of the game tenfold.
0: Yeah, agreed. Let me let me bounce something off of you of how OU can win. Okay, and you tell me what you think. I'm gonna try to be realistic. We were talking about some things that OU has not been tested on and on defense, and that's fair. You know, we haven't been tested on on defense. competent wide receiver play. I I would say even good quarterback play. Oh, well, yeah, the two
1: combined with the best quarterback we saw was running for his life the whole game. Yeah.
0: Combined with pace. Everyone we've played has played slow, really slow. Yeah. We haven't seen tempo. You're right. And you'll notice that Pete Kwiatkowski has taken advantage of that by leisurely getting in calls based on the personnel. And also, running in and out four or five dudes on not just series, but first down, second down, third down. We've got different guys out there. Ethan Burke's out there on third and eight. He's not out there on on first and ten necessarily against Bama, right? Speaking of Ethan, Ethan Burke, we didn't
1: touch on this. What the hell happened with him on the first two plays of the Kansas game? Did you notice this? Oh, where he... Uh, kind of like got confused. The first, and... the first play, it looked like he lined up on the wrong side of the line of scrimmage as like yeah. an, an 11 technique. <laughs> and then the second play, he was just running around kind of like four yards behind the line of scrimmage, waving his arms in the air. And we had like neither time. It would look like the freaking Notre Dame, Ohio state goal line play. We had nobody on the right side. And coinc- God. Coincidentally on the third down play, he was not on the field. Of God. But I, i and went back and during my rewatch, I was like, "What? What are we doing here?" Like, I don't know what it was like. It was like he was so amped up for the first two plays. He just
0: short circuit. Here's what I think happened. I think we said, "Hey, we're not going to play right end, left end. We're going to ro- we're going yeah, to flip flop ends to either that. strong, yeah, or yeah, field, strong, strong, either, either yeah. field or basically basically on a, a tight end or I don't know." Yeah, and I think he lost his mind because he was amped up. <laughs> That's what it looked like. And then he played fine. Yeah. The it, you know, it, was all yeah. Right. it did just play like the first few plays. I was like,
1: what are we doing right now? This is a- anyway, sorry. But it's hilarious. Random, random. Yeah, that was very, very odd. But right. random aside. But yes, I, I, I don't think we've played anybody where we have allowed them to be anywhere comfortable enough to run tempo for one. So I don't know if yeah. that may have been in the cards for somebody and they just didn't get to it. Uh, but I'd be willing to bet you see it forced at some point in this game.
0: Oh, OU is going to run tempo. I'm telling you yeah. that right now. I don't. Have, I'm not privy to the game plan, but I respect them enough to know that they're running tempo. And I think that we better be ready for that. Not just like, oh, let's play fast and practice, but I also mean you better have two or three base calls that you get into in the absence of a call. I don't want to see guys looking over at the sideline as the ball is getting snapped.
1: No, I, th- I think you definitely have have a couple defaults. Um, and then I would probably tighten up that safety rotation. Um, yes, I do have just... <laughs> a certain two people back there
0: a majority of the time. Are we talking about Jalen Catalan and Jaron Thompson? Yes, that'd be correct. Hey, I look Keaton Crawford does a lot for Texas. I don't nope. think
1: this is a Keaton Crawford game. No problem with him being on the field, but he's not one of your two deep safeties, yeah, or two. Say if you want to run him around and have him be like some sort of special spy, blitzer kind of position, all for it. But if he's going to be responsible for this, this isn't this isn't it.
0: I uh, I I'm much more comfortable with Taff and Derek Williams. Yes, Uh, Uh, that that would be my next two. Yeah, and I said if if you want to find, I have no problem
1: finding a spot on the field for him, but I, I don't think that's a good idea that he's back there. This, not not this week. No. And that's a luxury you have with with the depth and the talent we have that y- you can say, eh, probably not this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I know a lot of Longhorn fans are like, hey, Jaron Thompson's not super fast. He's going to get isolated. He can get burned. Possible. The bigger yeah. fear is busting a coverage. That's yeah. actually much worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least if someone beats you, the quarterback still has to make the throw. Correct. The receiver still has to make the catch. And it doesn't have to go for 80. You can yeah. still get caught, right? If you bust the coverage, it's a touchdown. Yep. It's just going to happen. It'll look like the KU game. So I agree with you 100% there. Uh, And I think that ties in with the earlier point about the middle of the field. I want Jalen Catalan and Taff or Jaron Thompson standing in the middle of the field. And I want rush lane discipline, not because I'm worried about Dylan Gabriel's legs, but because he's 5'10". Can't and I want, I want him to not have a passing window as he's trying to throw to outside of either hash because that is when Dylan Gabriel gets in trouble and that's when you get into pick 6 territory. Yeah.
1: No, you you want between the hashes to look like I-35 in Salado <laughs> or wherever wherever the wherever the construction is now.
0: Help us with the visual since you drove that and but most people have not driven to through uh, recently. There will be
1: seven million eighteen wheelers right in front of you and you can't see anything and you don't to know Vondre, where and you don't know where you're going or how to get there.
0: Tavondre being the biggest of the eighteen yes, wheelers.
1: Absolutely. Double grade. No, that, that's what you want the middle you want the middle of the field to be as muddy and nasty and ugly as possible.
0: Well, let's talk about length. So Byron Murphy, uh he's he's not, you know, gonna play power forward for the Knicks anytime soon, but Alfred Collins, 6'5 plus with a big wingspan. Tavontre Sweat actually has a big wingspan. Uh, he's And he's very good at batting balls. Did you see his hands on the
1: pass rush video yes. that was kind of <laughs> going around on Twitter? <laughs> that was – I never really pay attention, like, unless you see the the behind the, you know, the goalpost camera or whatever. But that was really excellent handwork on that uh, from a big fella. That was impressive. The little double, double hand swat swim move. He, see you. He's a hyper
0: 355-pounder this year. Left that poor center just sitting there laying on the ground. I, I got to tell on myself, by the way, um, when I saw the roster weights come out in August, because I was like, I, I'll know Tavondre's invested if he's 340, 340 335. And I saw okay. 362 or whatever it was. I was like, oh, man. It's too come big. On, dude. And then we see the Rice game, and I'm like, uh, it's all good. <laughs> we're good yeah. to Andre. <laughs> Yeah. You play yeah. where you want to play big baby. Yeah. No, he's, he's been impressed this year, but that was, that
1: was really, really impressive. I'm gonna start maybe trying to pay attention to that a little bit more and watch some more of his hand fighting. Cause that was a, that's a, that's a pretty elite deal oh. for a 360 pound
0: man. Also exceptional Byron Murphy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good hands. And he's, he's really good at not getting big brother. Cause I, Byron Murphy ain't six one. I think he's six feet tall even, but when a guy tries to big brother him, he breaks their arm. Like he swats down so hard with like a hammer fist on their elbow using his forearm that it just breaks that contact. And then he's into them and he's a better athlete than they are. He's meaner than they are. He's stronger than they are. And he's more pissed off than they are. And then they've got a Wolverine in in their sleeping bag and they just want to get out of there. (laughs) So, Uh, you know, if you can't big brother him at the snap, it's going to be a long day for you. So that'll be an interesting matchup when he goes against OU's interior line who have been good good pass blockers. But I don't know the quality that they've faced, to be honest, other than Cincinnati, who did have good DTs. Yeah, a couple couple guys in there. But once again, again,
1: uh, offensive output in that game, drastically different.
0: 20 points, and you know a big key to it? I mean, it sounds obvious, but if you want to stop a hurry-up fast paced offense you know what you do negative plays for one you get them off the field on third down no true and then all their pace is irrelevant i mean there's a there's an expression in the military of never hurry to your death yep like don't just take off running doing something like kind of evaluate and make your move a little more cautiously yeah Um, the,
1: the old tempo three and out will uh Leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. Are you talking about the Tom Herman special?
0: That's what I was about to go
1: to, but then I didn't want to say that name.
0: The inside zone handoff three and out? Yep. You just run inside zone three times in a row real
1: fast and punt. The inside (laughs) zone two times, and it would be the flood concept that we ran in high school from 1994.
0: Which isn't open, and Sam Ellinger has to bail the pocket and then run back and forth six times, and then all the fans yell at Sam Ellinger like it was his fault. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, hey, those are oh, good we times.
1: Were, we ran a two by two fly out concept on both sides. Okay. Yeah. Weird.
0: You're like, uh, I ran that at Yokum. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, sweet, sweet third and ten call. I want to talk to you about a guy who is in a hurry on your behalf, but never he's never rush rushed or too reckless, and that's Gabe Winslow. Mortgage man extraordinaire. I talked about broad financial competence with David McClellan. Well, Gabe has very narrow, deep financial competence with regards to mortgages. If you're in the market for a mortgage, this is the guy you need to call 832-557-1095. Several of you have made me laugh in the comments or in private messages saying, I know only two phone numbers in my life, my wife and Gabe Winslow, the mortgage guy on Everyone Gets a Trophy. And uh, we like it that way. 832-557-1095. Hey, bottom line, I'm not going to give you the hard sell on Gabe. He's awesome at what he does. He's really sharp. He's a good dude. If if you're in the market and you are getting quotes, if you don't at least talk to Gabe, you're just... I mean, you're being stupid. Like, you're, you're not doing yourself any favors. At the very least, make him... If he's not your first call, make him your last call. All right, folks. Enough of the advertising and promoing of our excellent sponsors. Do you have any parting thoughts as the last 10 minutes here we try to wrap this bad boy up so we don't turn this into a randy paul hour and a half a thon
1: i don't man i mean like i said i mean it always comes with the caveat of it's red river but i just i don't usually go into this game with much of a feeling one way or the other i just think we have a lot of advantages uh, to exploit and i don't think the headsets will let us down on
0: that how many texas ou's have you been to it in person inside the stadium
1: yeah. or the you, the grounds
0: oh you go you're one of the dudes who goes and loiters in the parking lot and watches the game no, on TV my, and then... <laughs> no
1: my in-laws have all the uh the booths and the the Hans the big Hans Mueller tent that's right there next to the main stage that's theirs oh no so, way yeah so they have that one a couple other beer tents uh, around uh but yeah so if anybody's around there and wants to uh support uh my kids college fun um feel f- feel free to stop by there i believe uh the post-game uh concert might be pretty interesting this year it's normally a texas country artist or uh you know something of the like i think it's little john so i don't i don't think we'll be hanging around for that with the family <laughs> but <laughs> but if you want to stop by and grab a uh, grab a wax cup beer and uh some food they'll they'll hook you up
0: hey but, man uh, no i've only
1: been inside the stadium probably three or four times uh, okay. but, uh, ever since my wife and I've been together and married, we go up, uh, this weekend every year so they can see the kiddos and kind of break up the monotony of being up there and living in Dallas for a month and a half or however long they're
0: up there. Gotcha. Well, in terms of your kid's college fund, once my OU bets cash,
1: we're, <laughs> we're gonna be I'm going to take
0: that money. <laughs> I'm going to invest it in a five two nine plan for your kids under the guidance of David McClellan. I'm glad we're not going Maserati part two. No, I, the Maserati. Hey man, you gotta, you gotta YOLO, man. Uh, but your kids are covered because these, these bets are cashing. I bet Texas minus four and a half. The line is now six and a half. It's going to go to seven right before kickoff. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, your kids, their college is covered there. Yeah. Your kids can go to any beautician school of their choice. <laughs> I've got it covered.
1: I'd still take it at seven.
0: <laughs> all right. Oh, so what number could I offer you that you'd go, all right, that's a no bet. Let's test your confidence here. And if you say it, I may make you, I may take uh, OU and make you. Oh, 13 and a half. Okay. Will you give me 13 and a half and I'll take OU and I'll try to middle it? What, no. Why would, we, why would we do that? Because I want to test the the clarity of your convictions. Yeah, sure. All right, how much are we betting? Mm. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll settle that off here. <laughs> We're not. I'm not taking OU. <laughs> I'm not. I just was testing you to see the clair, the 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 strength of your conviction.
1: I was deciding to go with food or dinero.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Well, food Maybe. would probably be more up our alley. Yeah. But. Unfortunately. Uh, all right. If I said, realistically, we're in Vegas, you got some money burning up your pocket that your wife hasn't claimed that you keep in a coffee can hidden in, in your cabinet. uh Ten and a half, would you be upset? Would you be concerned? Come on. I mean...
1: I wouldn't bet at that point. At that point, probably not. I mean, it's OU from a from a betting standpoint, and just being Red River. But I mean, I I wouldn't have a problem taking it at seven.
0: Okay, I agree with you. Anything over seven and a half to me is a no bet.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you're probably right on there from, from a you know purely betting standpoint.
0: Purely betting, just looking at percentages, yeah. looking at I mean mm-hmm. backdoor covers, Smart, all that nonsense. Yeah, right?
1: everything. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, there there's a this the Sark. Nice guy deal at the end of games. You know, I mean, he's going to, you know, he's not going to try and bury somebody and he's not worried about the, hey, we have our backups in if they score a touchdown here. We're not going to run our starters in when they get to the 20, you know, one of those type deals. I'm not saying we're going to get to that point, but.
0: Did you see the James? Did you see the James Franklin fake kneel down? At the end of the Northwestern game? No. James Franklin? head coach of Penn state more than any other coach I've ever seen is very aware of what the line is. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> really? He, he, he hammered in that last touchdown against West Virginia, right? He had a fake kneel down to score a touchdown against Northwestern. Like it's, uh, it's interesting. I'll just leave it at that. He, he is aware of the Vegas line. And uh, I think he endears himself to his alums who like to bet on their team. So, Sark could uh, take a lesson from that for all of us degenerate gamblers. He can he can help uh, keep us uh, afloat. Very interesting. Very interesting. But, but, but now back to the deal. I
1: mean, I like I said I. Without them, without us playing a C game, turning the ball over, I, I just think we're we have too many advantages.
0: You know who said exactly that at the end of our last podcast. Ian Boyd. Oh, well, there you go. He said, I, I just see so many advantages for Texas and just not that many for OU. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting. You guys he, come from a he, different angle, but you came into arri- the
1: same. Arrive, arrive at the same spot. Yeah, Ian's, yep. uh, Ian's usually pretty in tune with my final thoughts. I think, yeah, the, the middle part, we probably don't. Don't. <laughs> no. Don't share a whole lot it's in comments. Different journey. It's probably a different journey, but we get to the same spot.
0: Yeah. Uh also the OU fan base, to the degree they're aware of you, it's like old OU baseball fans who hate you because you played for baseball for Texas. Uh Ian is despised by the OU fan base at a level that's difficult to fully convey. So and, I have heard I have heard your references. Is just is that
1: just a like from his substack stuff, or is it just general Twitter?
0: Twitter or he's just
1: that guy that's in there needling them like just real honestly just working in random shots all the time Ian
0: doesn't he doesn't really say stuff he doesn't believe and he has opinions on OU he has opinions on everything just ask him right well if Uh, you have an opinion
1: that's against OU then that I mean that's blasphemy and so that's that's a special type of fan base and if you're a Texas grad right? Yeah. If you're a Texas yeah. grad, that makes it yeah. even that's worse. You holier than thou. Yeah. How dare you say that about me? Yeah.
0: And I, I wouldn't say, OU fans are great at arguing their points. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, generally speaking, like logic, mm. I understand OU has a large number of national merit scholars because of the incredible scholarships they offer, uh, that's not most of their fan base. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So, uh, Ian seems to rub them the wrong way on multiple levels, but Ian, to his credit, has chosen to embrace it, went to Big 12 Media Days, took a picture with their mascot, and that's been his his Twitter <laughs> wallpaper for this whole week. Yeah, you got to lean. If they're going to assign it to you, you got to lean in and go all the way. You got to lean into it. You got to be doing our podcast with an Auburn shirt, Randy, and try, to get, try to get more Bama views, man. That's great. Yeah. We're gonna get those those Bama dudes who are moving to Texas and need a financial planner, a real estate agent, and uh, a mortgage guy. But, Got him. All right, man. <laughs> Got him exactly. Any parting thoughts on this, or any quick thoughts on any other Big Twelve matchups that are of interest to you? Not especially. I don't. I don't. Missouri LSU kind
1: of somewhat has my interest, but that'll be at the same time as us. Tech Baylor, maybe, just to kind of see what what Tech rolls out and what Baylor looks like with shaping back because I didn't see hardly any of the whatever you want to call that thing they played last weekend.
0: Rally slash debacle?
1: Yeah, I was going to use the word debacle, but I don't even know if that was an apt description or not. But but no, man, I'm just really – this one's kind of got my my attention and then the one down the road. You want to hear something that will make you laugh?
0: Go for it. A fitting note to end this podcast, given it's hate week. It's also going to be petty week. The 7 o'clock spot on Big Fox, National Fox. <laughs> Do you know who it is? i just, I'm looking at it. Say it. <laughs> Number 24, Fresno State at Wyoming. You know who had the option on that game for Big 12 games? Uh, I'm going to go with Texas Tech and Baylor. And TCU and TCU Iowa Iowa state
1: State, who they put on FS to the
0: Fox had the option to show those games and said, uh, we'll, we'll show this mountain West matchup. Thanks, but no, thanks. So a fitting conclusion to our hate week broadcast, Randy, thank you, man. You were my closer today. I know you like to be a starting pitcher, but you had to be the closer. No,
1: I was, I'd like being a closer better. I just didn't have the stuff to be one.
0: That's right. (laughs) Uh,
1: well, no, that's not true.
0: <laughs> I thought you meant like you were sick; you didn't have the stuff to. to you know. I thought you were to say you wanted to be a closer, because you have to only work for an inning. That's one hundred percent true. That's also pretty cool, uh, and you also get to redeem yourself two nights later if you screw yourself. Screw yeah, yourself yeah, yeah, definitely not as not as long to think about it.
1: Definitely. All right.
0: Any parting shots? Any parting thoughts, Mister Boone? It's uh ten thirty PM. I know you sucks. All right, y'all, hook them. Hook do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in central Texas. Even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado. You need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura. If you're thinking about putting your house in the market, this is a great time to get market comps. Uh, if you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505.